John chapter 4. That'd be pretty funny this morning if the title of my sermon was, When You Don't Know What to Do, Keep Pressing On. After Miss Sherry gets done singing about standing still. But luckily, luckily, one of the points in my sermon is exactly what that song teaches this morning, standing still. And I, I, I hope... You know, I hope to really develop that point as we go along this morning because that, that really is a, a truth in the Bible, a principle in the Bible. And so we'll look at that a little bit this morning. Uh, we started last Sunday night uh, a series, and you see that on the screens. The series is called Healer of the Broken. And so basically what we're doing throughout this series is going to miracles, healing miracles specifically, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're studying them, anything unique about them, anything that we can learn from them. And I do believe that the Lord has power to heal anything broken in our lives, whether it's relationships or difficulties or uh, valleys or mountains we don't know how to climb or, or traverse. The Lord will help us through those. And so while I do believe the Lord can heal anything or fix anything, uh, I do want to learn something this morning specifically from this miracle in John chapter 4. So John chapter 4 and verse 43 will begin. I don't know why Dad had me preach this morning. Uh, he just said he wanted to switch it up. Also known as he went coon hunting last night, so he didn't have a sermon this morning. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, he just asked me the other day, he said, you want to preach in the morning? I said, sure, that's fine. That'll be good with me. So uh, you, you, you people will have to put up with me this morning. I'm sorry about that. John chapter 4 and uh, verse 43. Now the Bible says, now after two days... He departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. They said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour uh, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray this morning that this would be an extraordinary service, uh, one that was different than the normal. Lord, we need your healing touch on our hearts, on our homes, and on our land, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that as we learn from this passage, we would glean and we would see how we can receive an answer from you. Father, I pray that you would help me now, fill me with your spirit, and fill the hearers of the word this morning with your spirit, 
for clear, clarification, for understanding of the Word of God. And I pray this uh, in your Son's powerful name. Amen. Now, our world is becoming increasingly and more increasingly dependent on technology. And uh, it's sometimes humorous to me how Dad will ask a question. He'll say, Andrew, I wonder what the score of the game was last night. Or, Andrew, I, I wonder, you know, what, what the cubic inches on a Chevrolet are or whatever. And within about 38 seconds, I'll Google it and have him an answer. And he'll just be amazed. He'll say, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. And if you're younger, you know a little bit about the power and the magic of Google. I mean, you can find just about anything you need uh, very quickly. Uh, you can find entire owner's manuals. You know, you don't have to keep a paper copy of your owner's manual anymore. You just look it up online and you'll find it pretty soon. But I've noticed it's those useless, pointless answers that are easily findable, but it's the ones of more importance that are more difficult to find. Now, this is in no way a reflection of Brother Ogdi this morning, but I have been in contact with Best Buy credit card services about a hundred times lately. I've needed to get a credit card from them to set up my online bill pay and my, my, uh, get my account going. They've sent me an email with my account number, but I needed the back three digits on my credit card. Now, many of you know that I am in a transition from one home to another, and so we've kind of been playing with two different mailboxes, and I've had to go to one mailbox to find mail and to the other to find mail. Well, I've been looking for these credit cards now two weeks. I've had them send me two different credit cards. Neither one of them have I received, so I've called them now for the fourth time, and I said, Sir, I need this credit card. I've got to pay you money here on the 16th, and I don't have an account set up. I don't know how to pay you. And uh, I said, I, I got the money. I just need to get you the money. And so it's been this difficult situation. And, and I was on the phone to this man, and he was talking. And, and I said, sir, what does it normally come in? He said, it comes in a completely white envelope, just, just an unmarked envelope. I said, okay, okay. Well, what happens if it doesn't get to me? He goes, well, it returns back to us. And I said, so there's no return address on this envelope, but it comes back to you? I guess there is a return address on it, sir. And you know, it's the, the answers that we need, whether it's in time we need the answers quickly or it's the important answers. You know, I can find out uh, how to load a printer cartridge in a, car, a printer from 1932, but I can't figure out how to pay a bill. And really, that's the way it is in life, isn't it? The easy answers come easy, but the ones that we need, the difficult ones, those are the ones that are more hard to find. And this morning, I don't want to study necessarily the miracle. I want to study the man and how he approached Jesus and how he received an answer from him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, getting an answer from God when you need one the most. First of all, we'll notice, I draw your attention, we must desire to have Jesus. We must desire to have Him. Let's just face it, we all face difficulties, don't we? We all face problems, but we got a desire to have Jesus in the problem with us. How many times do we charge off into our difficulties or in our hard times and we just say, oh, we can handle it, but we need to ask Jesus and we must desire Him to be in the problem. Look in verse 47 of our passage. I want to show you the application. 
I mean, this guy had to go to Jesus and ask him for his help. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him. Now, don't overlook that. The Bible says he went unto him. Not only did he go unto him, but he besought him that he would come down and heal his son. You say, Brother Andrew, this sermon's not starting out very deep or very, uh, very theologically uh, entrenching. But I do want to point out to your attention, if we're going to have Jesus help us in our problems, we might as well invite him in them. And so often that's the thing that's the easiest to do, but it's also the easiest to overlook. Just the simple, Lord, help me in this matter. 1 John chapter 5 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we desired of him. The Bible clearly teaches and clearly states, when you need the Lord the most, he will be there for you. I recently read a story about a school teacher who had just recently retired and she was looking for a way to invest her money so that she could continue to see growth. And, and this man came to her and proposed some things that he was going to do to make her money grow. And turns out she got caught up in a, a, a scheme with a shyster. And in just a difficult time, she lost her entire life savings in investing with this crooked man. Well, she went to the Better Business Bureau after this had all gone down and she went to them to search for answers, went to them to search for help. And, and upon arriving, the director of the Better Business Bureau said, why on earth didn't you come to us first? We could have helped you. Didn't you know, that, uh, didn't you know about the Better Business Bureau? She said, oh, yeah. I've always known about you, but I didn't come here first because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. And so often, the hardest thing to do is just to say, Lord, please help. You know why it's hard? It's because it's admitting our inability to help ourselves. But when you don't have the answers, when you don't... When your son is sick, nigh even unto death, when, when you need the help the most, uh, it, it's a good thing to ask the Lord to help you in that time. Not only must we notice the application, asking Jesus into the problem, but we must note the authority. Verse 46, we find this truth. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water uh, wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, a, a, a better understanding of that word nobleman might clearly help us understand who this man was. Probably most likely this man was some type of royal line, some type of royalty. And he was assigned by the king a province to govern or a province to make decisions for, and that is what a nobleman was. Uh, the definition of a nobleman is belonging to or befitting the sovereign or preeminent, a king's nobleman or royalty. So the fact of the matter is this man probably was very wealthy. He probably was very affluent, probably had a lot of answers, a lot of power, and he himself found himself in a great amount of responsibility and authority. 
Now, who is Jesus to this man? The Bible teaches that Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. The Bible teaches that Jesus came to this earth as a servant. He could have come as king and wore and dressed in crowns and robes, but he didn't. He came as a servant. And the perception of all those in authority must have been that he was a peasant. No better than the normal poor man, or Jesus didn't have material wealth. And so this man, having an issue, having a problem, his son's sick, he's going to die. Where does he go? He submits himself to the authority of the one with the answers. And it really doesn't matter what walk of life you find yourself in this morning. It doesn't really matter if you're lower class, middle class, upper middle class, middle of the lower of the higher end of the upper class. It doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is Jesus has the answers. And no amount of money, no, matter, no amount of authority or power or uh, ability of your own can handle some of the problems you have in your life. You see, money doesn't buy a fixed relationship with a wife. Money doesn't help a teenager that is wandering from the principles you've taught him all his life. Just because you have the title of boss or COO or CEO at your company doesn't make it any easier to see your daughter split off from the truth of God's word. Where do you go in that situation? You must understand the one who has authority. And that's Jesus and you must go to him. George Washington said these words, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. That was George Washington. Samuel Adams said this, The name of the Lord, says Scripture, is a strong tower. Thither the, righteousness flee, the righteous flee and are safe. Let us secure his favor, and he will lead us through the journey of this life, and at length receive us into a better life. Now, that was Samuel Adams. Now, this is Abraham Lincoln. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. So George Washington, a man in greater power, a very smart man, one of our forefathers, submitted himself to God. Samuel Adams, a man in great power, a very clever man, very witty man, very strong man, submitted himself to God. Abraham Lincoln, a very wise man, did many great things for our country, submitted himself to God. Why do we have problems with it? Why, when there is a problem in our life, don't we recognize the one who has the ability to help us? All of these men did, and I would say without that recognition of that, they would have never been famous men at all. For it was God that elevated them, it was God that helped them, and it was God, as you can tell from their own mouths, that helped them through their jobs, that helped them be who they were. Not only do we see the authority, but... Thirdly, we see the activity. Verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water of uh, wine, and there was a certain nobleman 
whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now Jesus comes into Cana of Galilee. This man resides and his son is sick in Capernaum. So if you study a map at all, you will find that Capernaum is approximately 20 miles from Cana of Galilee. Now, in my Toyota Tacoma, it does not take long to traverse 20 miles, except when you're going through Burleson. But we can do that relatively fast, and 20 miles to us Texans is no big deal. Now, if you talk to somebody from Rhode Island, that is huge. But for us, you know, five-hour drive is like going to work. So, but 20 miles, that's nothing. But what did this man have? Most likely, he walked. But see, when you have a big enough problem, you're willing to go the extra mile. And most of us, if we knew that Jesus were in England this morning, we would say, oh, Brother Andrew, uh, I, would, I would traverse the sea. I would cross the sea. Then can I ask you, why do you have trouble bowing the knee? Because it's been said that the distance that keeps most people out of, he- uh, out of heaven is about 12 inches from your mind to your heart. But I would say the, most, the, the distance that keeps most people out of the throne room of God is about 3 inches. From a face uplifted high to a face bowed down. Why do we have trouble recognizing that there's a God and there's a Savior and there's a friend who wants to help you? Why do we have trouble? Can I say this morning, it's probably because we don't want to go through the activity. Through the effort of imploring for His aid. But truly, we probably are not recognizing the authority that He has and the ability that He has to help us through our problems. So we see, first of all, the desire that we must have to have Jesus in our difficulties. But secondly, I want to look at this. We must dwell with Jesus. We must dwell with Jesus. And see, this morning, as Miss Sherry uh, sang in her song, Stand Still and let God move. Now, I would probably say that most people don't have difficulty praying one time about an issue. Maybe even not two times. Three times may be a stretch, but I wonder when's the last time that you continued to pray for something until you received it. Look here in verse 48. We see this man, and we see just exactly how much effort he had to go through to ask Jesus to help. So he's asked, he said, uh, uh, Sir, come heal my son. He, he's at the point of death in verse 47. But in verse 48, Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And it's almost as if Jesus passes him off. Says, You wouldn't believe in me even if I did this great work for you. Now, in verse 49, the nobleman is very uh, uh, stout. He's, he's going to stick with what he's, what he's asking. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. In verse 50, he gets his answer. But I wonder why Jesus put that little obstacle in his path. Did Jesus have the power in verse 47 to heal his son like he did in verse 50? Absolutely. Why was there that obstacle? 
And this morning I want to develop this point. Please take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, we see a story of the woman of Canaan. Matthew 15 and verse 21, we'll notice how Jesus often put an obstacle in people's way before he gave them the answer to their issue. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, it sounds like she's imploring his aid, doesn't it? I would consider that a prayer. Lord, help me. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. She begs for her daughter's healing. She begs for it, and Jesus doesn't even answer her. And then the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, this woman is bugging us to death. She's now asking us, Lord, just send her away. Verse 24. But he he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, does it not seem like Jesus is putting some roadblocks, some obstacles in her path, saying, I'm not going to do this for you today. I, I, I don't want to do this for you today. But she continues to beg him. She continues to ask him. Verse 28. Then Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, verse 27. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. Now she asks, Jesus ignores. She asks, Jesus answers, but not the answer she's looking to find. She, uh, she asks again, Jesus says, uh, it is not good for the, the breadcrumbs to fall from, uh, to the dogs. And almost, I don't want to go too far here, but almost insinuating, I can't help you because I came for Israel. She says, oh Lord, please help me. Four times before Jesus answered. Now please take your Bible to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Now, several times throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, he, he teaches in parables, and, and we know that. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and we, we know that's truth. We've heard many parables taught. Uh, Luke chapter 18, the Bible says, starting in verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end. Now, what is this parable for? For this result that men ought always to pray. Well, that's a good truth. Men men should pray. We should pray as Christians. But what does it say? And not to faint. Don't give up. Ask, implore, beg, but never give up. And that's what the Bible's saying. Now, this is the parable in verse 2 saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. 
This is not a godly man. He's not, not, not somebody who uh, shows mercy on others because God has showed mercy on him. He doesn't really care for the well-being of others, but he's a judge. He's in a position of authority. And there was also a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So she's asking, Please help me. Verse 4, And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard any man, though I am not doing this out of mercy, out of love, out of compassion for anyone, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Her persistence paid off. She continued to go, and the man really got a little tired of her, said, Man, this is getting tiring, just like the disciples got tired with the Canaanite woman. And the the man who doesn't fear God, who doesn't care for the well-being of others, said, I'll just give you what you want because you keep bugging me. Now, let's see what Jesus says. He then explains. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Basically what Jesus is teaching, and the whole point of that parable was to tell people, continue to pray and never give up. Because if you continue to pray, God will give you the petitions that you ask. That's just the truth of the Bible. Uh, We were at a youth activity. Uh, This was very early on when I first became youth director. We were at the Taylor's old house. And, you know, we had this youth activity. We were playing ball. We were throwing footballs. And Brother Luke plays weird sports. He plays this sport called mush ball. Uh, And that's basically baseball with a pillow-filled baseball that goes about 10 feet when you hit it. I think it encourages him because he can't hit the ball very far anyway, so everybody can only hit it 10 feet, so that's what he does. But uh, uh, so we played that, and he plays this other weird sport called rugby. But that's because he's just crazy. (laughs) But he had this rugby ball over there, and, you know, I, I know how to throw a football. I can throw a baseball. I, I know how to do those things, but I've never really experimented that much with throwing a rugby ball. You throw them differently because they're kind of like a soccer ball and a football combined. So they're elongated, but they're a little bigger than a football and not quite as pointed at the end. But you don't throw them overhand like Brett Favre. Okay, you don't do it like that. You throw it underhand and you spin it. And then you get clobbered by men who are obviously juicing. That's basically the sport. And so we were just having some fun that day, and we were throwing this ball, and we were, we were just having a good time. Well, I had just gotten married, and, and I had, had this wedding ring, and I don't know why, but we bought it a little loose. And so when I spun that ball, my ring just flung off. And it was gone. And I shouted to everybody, Stop! They were like, what? And I said, Everybody, come back and line up with me. 
It was as good a solution as I had at the time. And we put me and then about another three feet, a teenager, and another three feet, a teenager, and another three feet, a teenager. And we were down on our hands and knees searching Brother Luke's yard. And we had a line going 30 yards that way and 30 yards that way with nothing but teenagers. Now, this sounds like a fun youth activity, doesn't it? No wonder we have such a cool youth department because we look for Brother Andrew's jewelry. Okay? So, so it, hey, it's a treasure search. You know what I mean? And so we, we're, stre- we're spread out. We're on our hands and knees going through Brother Luke's well-manicured grass. <laughs> and we're going through... Didn't find it. So after about an hour and a half, two hours of looking, we gave up. The darkness came, and so we we couldn't find it that night. So I got a bright idea. I'm going to go back, but I'm going to go back with a metal detector. Foolproof, right? I go up to Academy. And I spend $80 to collect a $100 ring. And I buy me a metal detector. Speaking of instruction manuals, I had to learn that one. And I put this thing together, and Brother Luke and Miss Sarah, they're in the house, you know, they're doing their thing, and they got this creeper in the backyard with a metal detector. Beep, 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 beep. Found it. Nope, nope, just a Brother Luke's beer cans. Man, you got to hate that. I spent another two and a half hours that day with that metal detector. Beep, beep. Still never found it. I went back three times trying to find that ring. Never found it. But I wonder how many of us give up on the things that we desire the most after the first or second time. Why don't we exert as much effort uh, asking the Lord for His aid as we would if we lost our wife's wedding ring? The other day, my wife lost her, or misplaced her wedding ring. See, that's a much bigger deal when a woman does it than when a man does it. <laughs> like, because we could pay the mortgage with your ring, and the pawn shop won't even look at mine. So, it's a much bigger deal. Well, she's freaking out, and she's... You know, I can't find it. And she's running everywhere. And, you know, I go home and I sit and I watch the Olympics. And very little will encourage me to get up from that couch. But losing that ring did. Why are we so afraid or so unwilling or whatever it is? Why are we so that when not taking our problems to God? All throughout the Gospels, Jesus heals people, Jesus helps people, and He'll do the same for us. Why is it that we have such a hard time going to Him? Oh, Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, this is a very famous verse. Ask and it shall be given you. We've all heard that verse. The next word is very important. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently 
Seek Him. The truth is all throughout the Bible. We need help. We always say, why doesn't God answer my prayer? How many times have you asked Him? And I really believe Miss Sherry's song, there's a lot of truth to that. Stand still. When you don't have the answers, when you need His help, because the answer will come, but it will only come in His time. And so this morning, we, we have to notice that we must dwell with Jesus. We must abide. We must stay and ask for His help. I don't know about you, though. I have difficulty with this one. I struggle personally, continuously praying for certain things. You know, some of my best friends in the entire world now have just left, and they've gone to Thailand. And you all know who it is, Brian and Jamie Cohn. And they're over there. And, you know, that's a scary thing. It's an exciting thing, but, you know, I've made a goal to pray for them and pray for them faithfully. So you want to know my secret? They gave me a U Darvish bobblehead. And on the bottom of this bobblehead, it has some numbers that you can count his career strikeouts on. And so there's four digits, and just like your uh, uh, odometer in your vehicle, it turns over. But I have turned U Darvish's strikeouts into every time I look at that little U Darvish bobblehead, which is now missing an arm. Good news, it's not his throwing shoulder. But every time I look at that, I pray for them. And then I just move that number over. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe that's silly to you. But I needed help. You know, I want the Lord to bless Brian and Jamie's ministry. Uh, there are some great things taking place in the Philippines right now. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people being saved. I want that for Brian and Jamie's ministry. But how could I say those words if I did not faithfully pray for them? Well, I just needed a little help. And as silly as a you Darvish prayer doll might be... It sounds bad when you say it that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. As bad as, as silly as that might be, it just reminds me, hey, pray for them. Stay faithful with it. And maybe you can glean from that. I don't know. But I know in that prayer, I need to dwell in, in prayers for them and in prayers that I need the Lord to help me raise my daughter. How silly of a father would I be if I did not continually ask for his help? What we do is we often get to the point where our daughter starts making mistakes, and then, Lord, help us! All the while forgetting to pray for her when she was young. So we must dwell with Jesus, and I hope that through those parables and through those passages, you've understood that is a principle that's found in the Bible. Staying constantly in prayer, not fainting, but diligently seeking the Lord. Uh, thirdly, we move on and we must be done. We must depend on Jesus. Now, we must desire to have Jesus in our problems, and that's a very good thing. We must ask Him to help us. And not only must we ask Him and we must desire for Him, we must dwell with Him. We must continuously ask Him. We must say, Lord, please help us through this difficulty. But finally, we must depend on Him. Look in verse 50. Verse 50 of our original text, John chapter 4. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. 
and he went his way. I'm going to read you a phrase in that verse that I find very unique and very important. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. I wonder if one of the reasons we don't go to Jesus in prayer like we ought to is maybe we don't believe him when he says he'll answer our prayer. Because this man, every miracle so far that I can find of Jesus' ministry, he has touched people to heal them. This is the first, what I would call, cellular miracle. He was at the marriage of Cana of Galilee and he turned the water into wine, but he was there. He's healed now several people throughout his ministry already, and, but every time he's been there. Now Jesus looks at this man and he says, go thy way, thy daughter's healed. And he says, oh, okay. Uh, I said daughter, it's son. Go thy way, thy son is healed. And he says, okay, Lord, I believe you. I take you at your word. I remember the story of doubting Thomas. Y'all remember that? Remember when he says, except I see with my own eyes the nail prints in his hands, and though I be able to thrust my hand through his side, I will not believe. Jesus arrives and says, Thomas, behold my hands. Reach forth your hand and feel my side. In John 20, verse 29, he says this, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. A limited belief equals a limited blessing. Our prayer life and our asking the Lord to help us through our difficulties is absolutely directly linked to your faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But without faith, you have no reason to bow your head. You must trust that He has the ability to help, but you also must trust that He will help. And our faith is so important. John 14 says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may glorify it in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Lord can do it. My question is, how long do we stay in asking? And how often do we take Him at His word saying, Lord, you will do it. And the Lord will. Recently, we've had a huge offering. Uh, it was a special day for us. I don't know if you realize, I don't think our church has ever gone over about $115,000. That was, we'd always shot for 100000 You know what I mean? That was our goal. We had never really needed more than that. And so that was what the Lord laid on the heart of the preacher. And so that's what we did. And we hit it. That was a good thing. But I'll just be honest with you, $150,000 was a little bit bigger than that. $150,000, that was kind of a big deal. And honestly, maybe my faith was a little limited. Because I was thinking, you know, maybe if we could get to 130, that would help with the building project. And, you know, that would be a good number. But as people sacrificially gave and the Lord somehow helped our offering and, and just seemed to multiply it and kept bringing it in and kept bringing it in, well, we busted right through the top of 150. That was no, no big deal to God. And I promise you, your problems are no big deal to Him either. 
1999, John F. Kennedy Jr., although he was a licensed pilot, he decided to fly his wife and uh, her sister and himself to a marriage. Uh, he was flying from to, uh, to his family to his home in Massachusetts for this wedding. Now, he, he was the pilot, and he flew there, and he was returning, but his flight got delayed. As night fell, they took off. Now, he had his pilot's license, but he did not have a license to navigate by use of instruments only. Meaning he could not navigate without the use of landmarks. He could only navigate by seeing certain sites, but he had never been taught how to use the navigation for the compass and his bearings to get them that way. Now, many of you know the end of the story. That night, John F. Kennedy Jr. died, his wife died, and her sister died. And as investigators continued to uh, determine what happened, they said the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or visible horizon. Kennedy's lack of experience led him to trust what he thought he was seeing more than what his instrument panel was telling him. He trusted in his experience more than what he knew to be truth. You see, God has given us unfiltered truth, perfect, absolutely without error, truth. The truth is God will hear your prayers. The truth is God has the ability to help your problems. The truth is God can help you through whatever difficulty lies in your path. You know the problem, though? We often trust our experience. Although limited, we trust ourselves. While the truth the whole time is screaming, I'll help. If you'll just ask. You know what? I want to see this county healed for the Lord. I want to see salvations. I want to see the gospel just explode in this county and in this region of our state. I want to see that. I believe the Lord can do it. But are we asking Him? Are we pleading for that? Because I want to see healing miracles. I believe the only way that's going to happen is when we stop relying on our own experiences and our own abilities and we dwell with Him, we desire to have Him, and then we depend on Jesus to do the miracle.